Welcome to the Bitcoin Zodiac, the podcast that explores the intersection of finance and astrology, where we use a combination of spirituality and logic to help us connect the dots in the markets as well as in life. Hosted by Corinne, Claire, and Alexandra, who come from a diverse background, bringing with them a wealth of knowledge and experience in the realms of astrology, cryptocurrency, spirituality, yoga philosophy, day trading, and of course, Bitcoin. In each episode, we explore a different aspect of the economics of the markets, from following Bitcoin to more complex topics like blockchain governance and decentralized finance. But we don't just stop there. We also examine and discuss the astrological implications of these topics, exploring the different zodiac signs, the houses, the moon phases, and how they might approach financial decision-making and investment strategies. Join us on this journey as we explore the intersection of these two worlds that are often thought to be at odds with one another, finance and astrology. Whether you're a seasoned crypto investor, a day trader, or just starting to dip your toes into the world of Bitcoin and blockchain, the Bitcoin Zodiac is a podcast for you. So sit back, relax, maybe take some notes and come expand your consciousness with us through the world of the financial markets with an astrological lens. Round two. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And not round two because it's episode two, but round two because we're recording this for the second time. Happy Mercury retrograde shadow period. Oh, I love these things. Oh my God. And not only the astrology, but I'm like, that's how you know this is a super juicy episode. (laughs) I am. exactly exactly didn't want us recorded so we're gonna do it again Mm -hmm. too funny we obviously have really important things to share important things to say facts exactly so let's kick it off talking about the past full moon from our last episode and how that was for you ladies yeah go for it Alex how is it for you (laughs) um full moon was very uh it was a a transformative time it was a time of like classic full moon energy letting go but it was um it was big for me I was asked to do a lot of sleeping um, a lot of reflecting I exited a spiritual community um I let I cut cords of some people in my life um I'm reevaluating mm. my work and the clients I work with and like the intention behind everything that I'm doing. You know, it's like um a clean slate. Clean slate. And it was the full moon in uh, Libra, right? So yeah. it's the the goal was balance for me. Right. So <laughs> the, it was the pink moon. The pink moon. So for anybody that had anything happen around love especially because the ruling planet of Libra is Venus I know that that was a big one either a lot of breakups or makeups too just FYI I throw that out there but balance is a nice word for that moon too balance and I totally let go of someone that I was like dating we like went on our first date on the Virgo full moon before Mm -hmm. and then when we went into Libra 
<laughs> it was over. Had to be released. Had to be like exactly clarity. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I think it it has been a really interesting time. I've observed that a lot of people around me in very like long-term relationships and marriages, it's been a really tough time, I think. Um, probably Mm -hmm. for the last six months since the Libra new moon. Um, I'm assuming, but it, it definitely is noticeable. It was definitely a lot about relationships this this um this full moon. Yeah. I personally it was a lot of release and now that like I'm kind of through it, I'm seeing so physically I had a fever which is literally like releasing, let it go, killing off whatever in my body that needed to be killed off. Um, But just generally a lot of like letting go, my balance is definitely being tested a lot, even flowing through the full moon. So that's really interesting that those themes just so happen to come up as well for myself. And you, Claire? Yeah, I mean, the full moon is always just a... a time like I kind of block everything out of my calendar I really spend time Mm -hmm. on my own in turn like letting whatever is coming up um come up feel all the feels and you know at some point I'm kind of like how much more is there to be released you know like it's like I live like a (laughs) thankful like what is never ending you know but um but yeah it's always a very emotional time for me so I try and not engage in anything that would be triggering or get into arguments with people or anything like that so yeah it's really a sort of journaling time for me and just soaking in all of that um you know that full moon energy and allowing myself allowing the spotlight to be shone in um every area that it that it needs to I let it do its thing for sure yeah yeah love the full moon so now next up I guess that we have a new moon coming on (laughs) the 20th of April when everybody's going to be listening to this podcast episode um and there's some pretty intense stuff yeah there's a lot of intense stuff going on I'm pretty bullish though I have to say I don't know about you guys but I'm pretty bullish coming into this new moon for sure um I mean we just as we were recording (laughs) our initial (laughs) recording of this episode Bitcoin broke um broke 30k and also um you know as we're recording now it has it broken and held 30k on the daily so broken closed above 30k on the daily so pretty bullish we also have this Kazemi Jupiter Kazemi that is um that's actually happening on the 12th which is today for me tomorrow for you guys and um yeah it's it's a really kind of interesting um placement and um yeah it's a very very positive one so basically when a planet is in Kazemi um, considered to be in Kazemi is when it aligns with the center of the sun. So when Jupiter is in Kazemi, it means that it's in a really strong advantageous position because it's closely aligned with the life-giving energy of the sun. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Jupiter in terms of financial astrology is about prosperity and growth, abundance, expansion, you know, so it's a really powerful planet for the markets. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's it's so it's like when it's in Kazemi, it's like in the heart of the sun. So it really amplifies those positive effects. 
So um, with it being an Aries also, it brings with it this, you know, risk-taking, pioneering, um, sort of entrepreneurial spirit. And um, so maybe it inspires investors to take make bold financial moves, um, explore new markets and things like that. And maybe what investors are willing to take risks. Um, and there's just a general feeling of optimism and positivity in the market, you know. So um, it's quite interesting because... Bitcoin's moon is in Aries and its its sun is in Capricorn and then its Jupiter is also in Capricorn. So it's this real interesting combination of energies, um, which are very much Bitcoin's energies as well. And so you have the practicality um, and the conscientiousness, hardworking desire for success and achievement of Capricorn combined with this Aries impulsive independent streak which adds to that nature of bitcoin um so it, it's really interesting we've obviously seen a, a move up broken a key psychological level as well um and but i think instead of being this sort of frenzied experience of an up move that sort of comes with retail investment I sort of feel that these moves are more strategic and maybe made from bigger players in the market. And we've sort of seen that reflected in the market as well. The, the flow of money has not gone into the altcoins as yet. So it's not this kind of like frenzied retail investment. It's maybe more from bigger market participants like institutional investments or family offices, sovereign wealth funds, maybe even governments or nation states. So that's interesting to watch. So it, Jupiter's placement is is um, Jupiter and Aries is is really positive, I think, coming into this um, new moon and solar eclipse. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like Jupiter, like you said, is just such a it's such a key planet when we talk about not just financial astrology, but like the astrology in general in around money. So even at a personal level, right, we really look at our Jupiter um, as to what is going on in our finances, in our careers, like it's really a key player for that. And whatever Jupiter then kind of touches, it expands. And I feel like um, this Kathimi is all about just, bringing extra manifestation and extra abundance. And it's been really cool to see Bitcoin already start to react to that as this significant event comes up. And actually today, so I'm kind of glad that we're re-recording this because <laughs> something additional, today I was um, on a session with some of the other educators that I educate with um, in regards to crypto. And one actually brought up some on-chain analysis and he was showing some of the biggest holders of Bitcoin wallets have really been putting some important amounts of money into Bitcoin. So that just kind of backs up what you just said right there that um, we do have some interesting, significant players moving money currently into um, into Bitcoin. And me too, I'm, I'm really bullish right now. You know, the last phase of from new moon to full moon, which was from the 21st of March to the 6th of April, 
you know, we really didn't see price come down at all as we normally would when we're going for a full moon. And what was wild to me was like, oh, yep, like here comes the moon also passing through Virgo right before the full moon that typically screams to me like at least like a 3% drop. And I've backtested this, I've gone, I've looked, and it seems like without a doubt when the moon passes through Virgo, at least a 3% drop. Now, this time around, I think I only saw like a 1% drop that day. And when the full moon came around, I was like, price isn't moving. Like, it's just there. And that makes me think from an astrological perspective, Oh my God, perception. Perspective. And words, you got this. Um, from a, a perspective, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you. From an astrological perspective, um, it's like price should have been coming down. Like that's the general energies around this period. And it just confirms that price didn't want to come down. So the energies are really bullish. They're really wanting to push price up. Um, And if you look at the fear to greed index right now, the greed level has jumped up. Like it has doubled in just a couple weeks. So I don't think we're at maximum greed just yet before we see the, because remember the markets are made for, maximum pain to majority of people the markets are literally created so that majority of people lose um and that's why we buy the fear and we sell the greed um and so that's why i'm even more bullish i'm like yeah like this needs to go up we need to create more greed before we have that pull back so definitely with you on all of that yeah, it just yeah. sent Claire a meme, uh, or maybe a post in the chat a little bit ago. It was like 2021, people rejoicing because Bitcoin hit 30K, and then it was 2022, and it was like a picture of hell and people sulking because Bitcoin hit 30K. And now it's like now, um, 2023, people like are rejoicing and there's rainbows and sparkles because Bitcoin hit 30K and stay has stayed for a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Reflection of just how the market is a psychological reflection of, it's just a reflection of people's emotions. Price is a psychological Wow, yeah. I'm really feeling at 10 p.m. tonight. Um, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. The charts are literally mapping out the emotions that are experienced in the market. Yes. And, um, you know, with all that bullish news, I do, you know, I do also, I am taking a look at Mercury in Taurus in Bitcoin's 10th house. Um, we're all shadow period of Mercury retrograde, which generally does affect Bitcoin. Um, But I sort of see, like, as I said, I'm really bullish coming into this new moon um, and this solar eclipse. But I think on the other side of it, I think we will see this general Mercury retrograde slowdown. It goes into retrograde the day after the eclipse. And um, so I think that that we will see this slowdown. And when I say slowdown, it's not this, like, relaxing, you know, vacay mode slowdown. It's like, why is my... 
um, you know, Wi-Fi so slow? Why is my food order taking so long? You know, all of it's that kind of energy with Mercury retrograde. And we generally see, you know, communications and technology, you know, breakdowns, slowdowns and things like that. But interestingly enough, with it being in Taurus, it's not a great transit for tech, let's be honest. Um, but this, um, you know, anything to do with Taurus is also, I don't know, Taurus always just gives me this very luxurious, like old money vibes. And mm. so, um, you know, with this Mercury retrograde in a Mercury in Taurus, it may be worth keeping an eye on gold, more traditional investments. They like to stick to what they know. They're more practical, they're more stable. So um, let's keep an eye on gold and commodities as well at this point. Um, gold but... has been bullish too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's um, yeah, it's been up there. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it'll. It'll be. Um, I just feel like gold is also going to have a very interesting year. I think I said that on a previous episode, but um, it, it, yeah, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on as well. But should we dive into the main event, the eclipses? Yes, let's talk about eclipses <laughs> because eclipses, and this is like my like dramatic Leo side that gets excited. I'm like, tell me what's <laughs> going to happen. Um, because eclipses are literally the moments where things come to light. What was hidden is exposed and when it comes to the financial side of things or what we've seen with with crypto you know the last two eclipses the the last one we had ftx and that whole shazam come to light and mm -hmm. we learned what was really happening behind ftx or a part of it at least um and we saw you know a 40 i think it, it was like between a 30 to 40% drop in the price of bitcoin the eclipse before that was at the start of 2020 or like May 2020 and 2022, 2022. And we saw the uh, collapse of Luna Terra. Mm. So that was also a drop of about 30 to 40% in Bitcoin. So this eclipse that we have coming up Again, it's during the pre-shadow of Mercury retrograde in Taurus. Very similar astrology to what happened last eclipse with FTX, also during a Mercury retrograde in Taurus. And this one in particular also is happening at 29 degrees of Aries. And when we in astrology have something happening at 29 degrees or zero degrees, they're very intense like it's like extra like the eclipses are already moons on steroids but this is like an extra layer of intensive intensity behind it right and that screams to me like this zero degrees in Taurus it screams to me money going down the toilet is what I wrote in my notes and it's also squared Pluto and as we know, Pluto is the planet of psychological turmoil, death, and rebirth. Mm. So that's already intense in itself. <laughs> yeah, um, slightly. Right? I see that um, 
with Bitcoin, there's a lot of things happening, a lot of really interesting, uh, you know, the new moon being squared and trying to even, uh, sorry, trying to the natal Pluto of Bitcoin. So a trine is not as intense as a squared um, aspect. So I feel like it's not all negative. I think it will go through some challenges, but it's like for the long run, it's going to be a good thing, right? Yeah. So it's like a challenge that Bitcoin is just going to need to go through. That's happening in the 10th house. So that's got everything to do with governments, people of authority, essentially regulation, in my opinion, and what I'm seeing. Um, so that's kind of the key thing that I'm seeing, as well as the Mars. So Mars that we currently have going through Cancer is in opposition with the natal sun of mm -hmm. Bitcoin. So for me, that's also like, okay, more like, you know, Mars is that planet of war, aggression. So kind of maybe going against Bitcoin's sun means its identity and maybe really testing its purpose. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I think that it's going to be a good thing in the long run. And now you ladies, I surprised you yesterday when we recorded this with what else I found. <laughs> yeah, I but I just want to also point out like um how um you know I charted the um eclipses, the last eclipses we had in 2022 and those key major events. I mean, when you look back on 2022 and you think of crypto, it's literally what comes to mind is FTX and the lunar collapse, you know. So on the 30th of April 2022, that's when we had the solar eclipse. Then on the 9th of May, Luna UST, UST stablecoin depegged. And um, then on the 13th of May, Luna bottomed. And then on the 16th of May, we had the lunar eclipse. So then in, in October, November, 25th of October, we had the solar eclipse. The 8th of November, we had the lunar eclipse. And on that exact day is when FTX halted withdrawals. And then on the 11th, they filed for bankruptcy. So it's just like it's... So you, you can't ignore these things, you know, so it's interesting. It's so plus what all of the goodies that are coming up for this one, it's, you know, it's really interesting. <laughs> it can't be a coincidence after repeated over and over again lineups. And that's what, you know, a big part of what I personally use astrology for in the crypto markets in particular, it's just to get like a heads up of, yeah. hey, Tension around this time and potentially in what areas. And well, I think the interesting mm. thing with astrology, I mean, for me, I don't necessarily consider astrology to be a particularly spiritual woo-woo practice. Like to mm -hmm. me, planets and stars are information fields and they're continually exchanging energy and information with the electromagnetic waves that make up the quantum or cosmic field. And then this, as they move and exchange that information, this influences the energetic and perceptual state of everything interacting with the quantum field. And that includes us. So it's really like, okay, the last time this movement happened, what happened and what can we possibly expect coming up? It's not like a fortune telling I'm, you know, channeling or something like that. It's mm -hmm. it's really like that. It's it's more of a kind of backtesting scenario. Obviously, you know, if someone is more intuitive, the way they interpret those movements are going to be more intuitive. 
but even if you're an intuitive person, you're you're discerning more from just a simple conversation beyond just the surface level words that are spoken. But I wouldn't necessarily call just a conversation spiritual practice, right? So that's kind of like how I view astrology as well. So I'm glad you said that because it's it's science. Mm -hmm. But you can also bring in that spiritual aspect with that intuition if you choose to. Mm -hmm. it's literally science battle with not battle but that's the whole like duality of like science and spirituality like you can work with 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 a science with a um with with an idea right Mm -hmm. and then but like eventually like it's just part of being human and which it's like a beautiful thing of being human is you just start to know I mean when you start to put all the logic together of anything I'm speaking really general because there's so many different kinds of science but like with astrology too like when then like I'm not as van- as advanced as you guys are but like how you guys chart up and see if there's different layers to it and once you start to understand the layers and what it means and like what Claire was just explaining about how it's like a quantum field and how everything is actually energetically connected your intuition just kind of like turns on it's wild how that happens yeah it's amazing I do actually I believe that that is part of being human like I think that that is actually our true nature is to have that it is to interact with that intuition I think it's becoming more and more and more important in the world that we live in to be able to tap into that understanding and um, I think it's everyone has access to it and we actually choose we we put the limitations on ourselves how how much we allow ourselves to to be able to operate in that level yeah i think there's a lot of fear around people not knowing who they are i mean mm-hmm. even with me like my evolution with trading i had to really learn how to trust what i was choosing to look at in the markets and not second guess myself so have some sort of TA technical analysis structure, understand what's going on in the world. And then my intuition can has the the foundation and the safety to, you know, turn on and start feeling out what's going up and what's going down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um so Corinne, you uncovered some really interesting, um, interesting things coming into this this eclipse season. So let us let us know what could be what could be coming up. Let, Spill let the tea. tea. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Spill the tea. Spill the tea. Oh, spill the tea. I heard sovereign tea, and I was like, let's talk <laughs> more about that. <laughs> we like get into that after. Right. Exactly. It's been my word of the day. So I was like, I can't believe you just said that. But obviously, I'm just focused on that word right now. But let's spill the tea. <laughs> And then get back to sovereignty. Um, so, okay. So obviously all of these different things have happened with the eclipses, right? So naturally I'm like, who's next? So I dug up and found the natal chart of the exchange Binance. So Binance was born, right? Founded. In July 2017, in originally China, and then they moved away from China, I think, to Malta because of various reasons, weren't getting along with China, et cetera, et cetera. 
but we have its natal chart. And looking at the transits for this eclipse, we have the, the new moon and the eclipse, of course, happening on the 29th degree of Aries, which actually makes it um, conjunct to natal Uranus of Binance. And it's also squared with the natal Pluto of Binance. So this isn't just being like squared in a negative aspect to just Pluto in general, but specifically to the natal Pluto of Binance, right? And obviously that's linked up with Uranus, which is the planet of technology. I repeat, Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth when typically anything goes in a negative aspect to your natal Pluto, which means that something's coming. Okay, whether it be a test, uh, trials, tribulations, but it's not the funnest time. And all of this is happening, the eclipse is happening for Binance in the seventh house. And in financial astrology, the seventh house is everything in regards to exchange, valuations, and potential scandals. So... Mm. Even here, what are the chances? Is it a coincidence? I don't know. We also have Jupiter right there next to that new moon and eclipse to expand it all up <laughs> and make it happen even more. Um, so could something potentially happen to Binance during this time? Maybe. We don't know. We're just looking at the potential, what the astrology is and what potentially could be the outcome of it. And um I keep saying, like, I don't want to say that for sure when we hit this eclipse, you know, price is going to drop immediately or around this time. But I just feel like regardless, there's going to be crazy volatility. Like, whether we're going to continue shooting on up or we're going to turn around, slow down, and then come on back down, um, I just know that it's going to be a pretty intense time. And from this astrology, I feel like Binance may have something to do with it. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of fud around Binance at the moment as well. So um, mm. we never yeah. know. And, and also these are collective energies as well. Um, I think it's interesting that these things are sort of happening in the in Bitcoin's 10th house, which again is, you know, government politics and that kind of stuff. So we could also right. see something in the traditional financial markets as well um, that that occurs that's it's out of the ordinary. And I think the eclipses are just so interesting because I always see the full moon energy as like a, as shining the spotlight, illuminating, bringing to the light what needs to come up and what needs to be resolved. And then the uh, especially the solar eclipse is um, sorry, especially the lunar eclipse is really that spotlight amplified. And so obviously, right. like, you know, last year, you know, FTX, they had to go. They were so shady. They had to go. You know, it's, it's like a it's a clean out. You know, it's always a clean out. Obviously, Luna, not necessarily as dodgy as FTX, but still, it, it didn't work. It wasn't doing what it was meant to do. It wasn't doing what they claimed it to do. So it had to go. 
So it's like these right. cleanouts, these these energetic cleanouts that are happening. So, um, and I think the thing is, is that like we don't know. We're not saying for sure something. You know, finance is going to collapse or anything like that. But it's just when you have a bit of a heads up of the energetics coming up, you're not taken by surprise as much as. Um, if it was completely out of the blue. And I think that's kind of the purpose of why we look at astrology as well. Exactly. And, you know, I don't think we actually touched on this yesterday when we recorded, but I think it's important to also mention here, right, that I think that this is just also bringing up and bringing to light the importance of being decentralized and Mm -hmm. making sure have custody of your crypto like full custody of your crypto right because those people that unfortunately you know were in ftx um didn't really have much of a choice um when things started happening with ftx because they just froze the withdrawals and that's it you don't have what's called your private keys meaning you're not in ownership of your crypto ftx was in that case and it's the same thing with something like binance now i don't want to be at binance i'm not trying to talk bad about binance right um it's just really a discussion of full ownership and custody and this is where we already start stepping into sovereignty where you own your assets rather than having that middle party that could potentially have something happen I mean that's kind of similar to what banks are too and that's why there are so many people that are starting to look to something like bitcoin or specific cryptocurrencies that allow them to be decentralized and in ownership of their assets that's the word sovereignty isn't it right and that's in the financial sense I suppose yeah yeah which is a big part of it because our finances are our energy and our resource. Yeah. And also, I mean, it is um, that that also just does highlight, you know, centralization versus decentralization, because at the end of the day, finance could be squeaky clean, completely fine. We have, you know, but the point is that we we don't know. You don't know what's under the hood of a centralized entity. So um, whereas Bitcoin, you do. And um, also then you kind of look at, um, you know, the same thing, exactly the same thing, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, The people that had, you know, had their money in Silicon Valley Bank had no idea that their bank was not hedging um, their positions, you know, so and and caused a collapse. So it's, it's that centralized entity where you have to put trust in a, in a centralized entity, you don't actually know. It's not verifiable. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think that the whole Silicon Valley event was, I correct me if I'm wrong, this was just my perception, but it was the start of this now uh, talk or chaos, I think is the right word, of the de-dollarization. I think it's probably the most trending word right now on at least my Instagram. I don't know about you two, but <laughs> I'm like I'm like sick of Instagram. I like can't look at it right now. 
because everybody is talking about this. I feel like a lot of this started around that time in main social media because we already had seen different moves happening in the world and various countries starting to maybe plan to move away. But do you feel like that was really like when everything started? Public? I, I, think, I, I think it's always like a, it's like a, it was a chink in the armor of a trust-based system, right? I mean, I think people were really shocked about Silicon Valley Bank. It was a top 20 US bank. Um, so it was, it, it was a real shock. Um, and I think, look, it's, it's really interesting and it kind of bothers me actually how the media works, even social media or, you know, the mainstream media works. It's, it's really is about, you know, um, evoking, it's less about informing people and it's more about evoking really strong emotions and directing them in one direction or another. And in that emotional state of outrage, of fear, of whatever. And the thing, the fact of the matter is, is that de-dollarization has been happening for a really long time. But a year ago, if anyone mentioned the BRICS nations, um, you would be like, oh, they're irrelevant. It's nothing. And I always felt uncomfortable with that because I'm like, I don't think the moves that China and India make or Russia or any of the BRICS nations make should be ignored you know they're not nothing but then we cut to now where we have these extreme headlines of the dollar is dead the dollar is being attacked the dollar is done and it's just so you know it's always the extreme ends of the spectrum and you have to recognize that like our emotions are being played with in these sort of situations like it is an, it is an interesting time it, things are happening that are really interesting but I, I don't see necessarily that um, the moves that India and China are making are necessarily an attack on the dollar or on the United States. They don't feel like they're an attack. To me, it feels like they're more looking after their own interests. And why would they not? You know, and I think um, this sort of this good guy, bad guy mentality is so deeply ingrained in our collective psyche and I think it's been really really detrimental and you know obviously we all grew up in the west like I grew up in the UK and Australia Corinne Australia and Alex um, in America so obviously allies of the US as well and we really have you know again embedded in our psyche of like we're the good guys and we're fighting for the good. And, you know, when really that's that's not the reality of the world. You know, it's everybody is looking after their own interests. You know, that's the fact of the matter. And when someone aligns with your interests, they're a good guy. When someone is opposed to your interests, then they're a bad guy. You know, and so we really need to kind of dispel this, you know, this attitude of good guys versus bad guys. And the thing is that I think that's happening at the moment, definitely from someone sitting outside of the US and looking in, I, you know, I say this with most respect and I'm not saying that this is what is happening or what is definitely happening, but it feels like the decisions that are made being made on behalf of the United States at this point in time are damaging the United States. And so, you know, if you are, I don't know if you're China, are you sitting back and going, you know what, I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to let them kind of destroy themselves and let them destroy the dollar. 
But in the meantime, I'm going to lay the ground rails for, you know, to take care of my own interests. You know, that's that's kind of how I see what's happening at the moment. But I definitely think that there is something really missing from these conversations. You know, these headlines of the dollar is dead, the dollar is done. And that is the very real known unknown of state level, Fed level intervention. Why is nobody, you know, it's not just going to be allowed to happen. The dollar is not, that's not going to be allowed to happen. So I personally think the question that should be being asked at this time is, what is going to happen to attempt to stop that from happening? And how is that going to impact us? You know, that's yeah. that's kind of how I see things unfolding at the moment. Yeah. Are, and I, go ahead, Alex. Uh, no, those are really good questions. And I think th- with those are questions that need to be like, not just answered, but thought about. Because mm. with the fear, like the the collective, the thought collective is not, um, it's not intentional right now from the people. It's out of panic, right? I mean, I personally have not seen, like I got, I'm off Twitter because I can't, but um, <laughs> on my social media, you know, my social media is more of like painting and sunsets and dogs you know i mean i keep it that way on purpose and but so i haven't seen anything about the d like about de-dollarization like obviously just from what we talk about and what i know as you know a trader and how the and how money works i've known that but my mom brought it up to me the other night and she's like china's gonna take it and i'm like no 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 like it's they're not probably gonna take it like they're in their own thing with their own people like you just said but um yeah, I think that's like another great thing for this, that's the, that this podcast is doing is just helping lead the thoughts shaped around, well, what's like really what is happening next? Why is this happening? Why is the media scare, maybe scaring people <laughs> saying with um, headlines like that? Mm. You know, like why, why do they need to, what are they informing us of? if the dollar is dead, well, what does that mean? Like, I, I mean, I haven't really done my own research on what the media is saying at this point, but like, what, what does it mean? And how, why is there energy of fear that needs to be siphoned? Like, what is that being used for? Who's doing it? Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like that, like you've both said, Right now, the media is just trying to really cause a lot of fear. Um, I mean, currently I'm in America, so I probably see things from an American perspective. And you really do feel like some people are like, oh, my God, what's happening? Is everything going to go down? What are we going to do? Inflation's already wild. It's going to get worse. And the interest rates and yada, yada. Now we can have 40 years of mortgages and we have to pay these crazy interests. And, you know, there there's just a lot of fear that's being created. And that's where I look at history and I believe that history always repeats itself. And I'm like, there has got to be an agenda behind this. Why? Because 
who controls majority of the media, the same very small percentage of people that run a lot of things and have for hundreds of years. So why do they want to create fear? Because in moments of fear, in moments of unknown, what do we do naturally as humans is we look to what we're used to. We look at what has been safe in the past. We look at what has created safety for us in the past or made us feel that emotion. So we go to what we know, not to what maybe might be new and a little bit more risky. That's just natural human kind of uh, reaction, right? Rather than thought out centered action, but rather reaction, because that's what we do when we're in a state of fear. So out of this whole thing, I just start to play the narrative in my mind. And I'm like, there is no way in the world that the US, the one of the most powerful countries in the world is just going to let their US dollar go down the toilet. Like there, that's just no way. And they're going to put up a really good fight for it. So I'm like, what's happening in the background? And I mentioned that the U.S. is one of the countries that is the best set up for self-sustainability. I actually even just saw today that they're making some agreements with Venezuela. I haven't read in detail about it. It was just something I quickly saw passing through um, for even oil production and Um, You know, they have so many, the U.S. has so many other relations and partnerships, and it's still a part of NATO when I believe another country, which again, it slips my mind, which country, you know, that just joined NATO and, you know, Russia and China and some of these countries moving away from the U.S. dollar actually makes little to no impact to the dollar. So why are they still pushing this narrative? Why is Donald Trump coming out and saying the US dollar is going down and it's going to be worse? Right? I mean, like, what are they trying to do? DVDCs, they're going to be like, time to <laughs> get your digital dollars, everybody. <laughs> That's literally it. And I'm like, Fed now just so happens. And so let me also make this clear. Fed now is not CBDC, but it is this system that they're creating that is digital currencies. It's instant. It's going to reduce the fees here and reduce the fees there. And obviously we all hate fees, don't we? So we're like, yeah, less fees. Let's go, especially during inflation when I... I'm down to my last cent, right? And, but they're just setting up the system in the background, even with Fed now for CBDCs. It's going to be the simplest rollout. And I'm just like, this is, I just put the pieces together and I'm like, that's the whole puzzle. Like, this is the narrative that they are just playing out. So they're like um, all in on it too, because I mean, Look, this is just me saying what I feel. This is this is not backed by facts. But based on what I've seen, it's like, like you said, like just Trump comes out and says it says that too. And I'm like, oh, now you're backing this. Like you're part of this matrix too. And who else is part of it? Like you all are part of it. Now you have Robert um, F. Kennedy Jr. 
you know, wanting to run for, run, well, I guess running for president on, and endorsing Bitcoin. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is so interesting. What are you guys going to do next? You know what I mean? It's like, they're sitting back in their hunger games watching us, but it's like, we're sitting back watching them too. Like, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's a movie. It's literally a movie. Like, like, I think you taught me this, Alex, from now on, I call it earth school and I'm yes. just like living my best life in this school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is earth school. Our souls do come here. If you do, if you believe in reincarnation, our souls do come here to learn lessons to either clear karma from past lives or to, you know, create new karma, or if we've created new karma in this life, and this life, we have to, you know, deal with the repercussions of that. And it's a soul, it's a ground for soul evolution. That's why it's a dual nature. So it's like, while we do have a lot of duality, this is good, this is bad, this is evil, this is pure, this is Democrat, this is Republican, this is light, this is dark. I mean, yeah, but like also the sp- a lot of spiritual practices are teaching us how to transcend the dual nature and know thyself, see how it's not black and white, it's actually many shades of color. And that is what the power of intuition does. So when we can silence the, uh, the, the propaganda or the news, however you want to call it. They're they're the same thing to me at this point. And then um, Claire was saying yesterday when we were recording, when you can read the headlines and allow them to move through you and not trigger you, you're like alchemizing all of this. You are being able to witness what is going on, who's saying what, where is energy being shifted and like really you get to choose how you want to breathe into this reality to move forward. Um, yeah. yeah. And you get to choose how you engage in it. And I think that, um, you know, one of the most important things is, is to, to recognize that, you know, these things are triggering your emotions. They are designed to trigger your emotions. And when you're in an emotional state, you, that's not a space, especially in an, a low vibration, emotional state, like fear, outrage, anger, rage, you know, um, you're, yeah. you're not having any creative thoughts. You're not thinking critically. You're not really even having your own thoughts. You're just responding to other people's thoughts. And so, yeah, like I was saying, the, the way that I, you know, first and foremost, it's if I'm feeling fear, it's like, where is that coming from? And dismantling and disengaging from that fear. That's like the highest priority. And the way that I engage in the news because again I think that you can be drawn into the polarities of like you know you're either I know people who just basically are mainlining BBC news and you know if it's not if BBC didn't say so then it's not true you know so there's that extreme and then I have people who completely disengage from you know everything going on in the world and I don't think either is I don't think either is helpful I think that it's it's all about, you know, a boundaried interaction. And the way that I kind of look at that is a similar way as, you know, in Vedic meditation, when your thoughts are coming up to um, your consciousness, instead of trying to ignore them, suppress them, push them down, deny their existence, you allow them to come up into your consciousness. You observe them, you acknowledge them, and then you release them and let them float down 
you know, like a leaf in the stream or a cloud in the sky. And that's literally how I engage with the news as well. It comes up, I see it, I acknowledge it, and I let it go. I'm not going to, I don't want to engage in it emotionally. And that's um, that's whatever news. <laughs> that's not just financial news either. But um, yeah, I think we do live in really interesting times. Um, interesting times are ahead. I think the... Um, the, the thing that I do find quite fascinating, again, like I said, I don't feel that, you know, China, the moves of de-dollarization are necessarily a direct attack on China from China and India on the dollar. I think the moves, the management of the dollar is what is destroying the dollar itself. These boom bust cycles, huge out of control inflation followed by crazy, you know, crazy interest um, rate hikes. I mean, the Fed is the perfect example of problem, reaction, solution. They are always yeah. reacting to a problem that they created and herding people into a solution that serves their interests. So, you know, I think you just have to be aware of these things and, again, ask the right questions. Like, as you said, there's no chance that, you know, the Fed or, you know, the U.S. government is going to sit back and go, oh, well, we had a good run with the dollar, but I guess it's dead now. That's not that's not reality. So the question you need to ask is what are they going to do to stop that from happening and how is that going to impact you? And I think an interesting thing as well in the same way, you know, that I'm saying, I, I actually think China and India, the moves that they're making are to protect their own interests and maybe align, you know, set themselves up for, you know, if the do if America does kind of destroy itself, um, is, is sort of setting themselves up and laying that foundation. And to be quite honest, isn't that what Bitcoin is doing as well? Is that we're, you know, building this network we're laying the foundation, we're laying new rails for a different financial system outside of the current one. Like Bitcoin is not itself, it's number one, I don't think it's a contender at this point in time for the global reserve currency, it's far too small. Um, mm -hmm. But Bitcoin doesn't attack the dollar. Bitcoin just is Bitcoin and Bitcoin does what Bitcoin does. But in being what Bitcoin is, um, it highlights flaws in our current financial system. And Bitcoin gains strength and adoption as the current financial system discredits itself, as the trust-based system, trust in the trust-based system is eroded. You know, a trustless system looks a lot more appealing. I think that's where we're at. But my main message, I think, with this as well is like, you know, stay out, is, is diffuse the fear. I think that's the most important message here. Yeah, I I just want to add to that, that, you know, yesterday I mentioned for what I like to call the green personalities out there, like really quickly, there's these four different types of personalities based on color personalities, where green is somebody that really wants to know like all the ins and outs of details of things, right? We want to know what's going on and we want to understand it. Then there's like yellows that like love life and purpose um, and are really drawn by purpose. Then there's the reds that really want the money and the fame and the create something legendary 
Um, and then the blues, which are like the social butterflies, right? And we all have like a mix of all of them mixed together. And one I feel really the science nerdy side of me, I like to call it, is like, I want to know all the details. So I want to know what's going on. Like I'm researching, I'm reading. I want to know what Fed Now is doing. I want to know what China's doing. I want to know all these things. And so I think the one side when we talk about managing our emotions, and here I come from like a trading perspective, right? When I'm trading, I want to know exactly what I am potentially putting, what I am putting at risk, right? That is so important for me, my risk management. And why I am so good at risk, ma risk management is because I do have this big like green side of me. I want to know what could potentially happen? What is the worst case scenario? But through my trading journey, I've learned that then it's so important to, yes, have the information, do the research, learn, but also, as Claire and Alex have said, like, learn to detach from the external and come into the internal, the faith, the belief in whatever higher power it is that you believe in, in yourself, and just knowing that it's all going to be okay. And I truly believe that everything happens for a higher reason, for the good. And in the end, it's okay, but start to, I think like what I'm trying to get at is get your facts, if you feel that, because I think it is important, we do still live in a 3D reality. So we do want to have the facts. We do want to go and research, but then learn also to start emotionally detaching yourself and look within and not fall for that fear. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. We all incarnated, if you want to use that word, or came to or were born on this earth at this time period because our souls needed to be here. We needed to be here to witness this pretty monumental shift, you know, in history. I mean, like our parents, my parents, at least like their generation and the generation after it's like it led to this. It, everything was leading up to this. You know what I mean? Like, with the internet and now we have new currencies that are digital, you know, it's like everything was leading up to this point in our souls. We were supposed to be here to witness it. So if, like, there's that whole thing of fear. Like when someone is in a state of fear, they're like, they're right to be here. Cause like, that's the root chakra mantra is like, I have the right to be here. And the demon is fear. And when you're in that fear state, you're not thinking about how you have the right to be here. You're out of your body and you're in your head. And just like, it could be something as small as trading when you get in your head or something as big as a headline saying, Hey, the dollar is dead. It's like, regardless of what that, what, what, what's going on, you got to get into your body and trust that like you are, you came here to have this life experience. You can make your own choices based on how you react and respond. And like, you've got this, Just that cosmic remembrance of we're all here. 
being in this, doing this together and solo, but together. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I, love I think that. that really, I think it really beautifully ties in also. I, I always want to bring into these episodes, some of these um, outer planet transits, these generational transits that we're experiencing. We're not necessarily, obviously last week we discussed the Pluto transit. So we were just moving into Pluto. It was just moving into Aquarius. But there are some other outer transits as well that I want to cover that we're already in, um, but they span a lot of years and they they often have a great impact, a generational impact on um, on what's happening in the world. And so um, at the moment we have Uranus, Uranus in um, the 10th house, Bitcoin's 10th house, and it's transiting Taurus at the moment. So again, it's a big generational planet. Um, very slow moving, and it's been in Taurus from May 2018 and will transit through until April 2026, with the exception of a quick dip back into Gemini from July to November 2025. So the last time Uranus was in Taurus was from 1934 to 1941. So this was the period of the Great Depression, World War II, then a few years later, we had Bretton Woods, sweeping financial reforms, the establishment of the IMF and World Bank, and obviously the establishment of the US dollar as the global reserve currency. So um, Uranus in Taurus creates a really interesting, distinctive energy because these two archetypes have such radically different expressions. And Uranus is the great awakener and it's all about the unconventional creativity, originality, and revolution. And so Uranus is the planet of change, disruption, liberation, um, the planet of sudden changes, shocks, and in inventions. And it's a really has a really rebellious nature, and it's known for disrupting the status quo. So it's also known for innovation and technology. So it's actually a really important planet in terms of Bitcoin and crypto. So it tends about um, technological advancements and radical changes in the areas that is ruled by the sign that it's moving through. So, I mean, it's interesting because I don't know about you, but my, if I look back to 2018, my life is pretty different since 2018 to now. Um, we're only just in this. And, um, you know, the world looks different as well. And um, so Uranus has been collectively influencing Taurian matters such as science, culture, diplomacy, beauty, sustainability, our values, food production, our stewardship over the earth, and of course, money and wealth. So we can expect to see all of these Taurian topics shift during the space of this transit. And again, I want to emphasize it's a slow moving planet. It, it moves through this sign for a long period of time and it affects generations to come. So we're not talking about in the next 10 days, in the next five days, expect to see these things manifest. It's not necessarily true. But the time of Uranus in Taurus is really a time of the metaphysical becoming physical. And that's for better or worse. I mean, I think we can see 
certain things manifesting even now, you know, in terms of diplomacy. We're seeing bad diplomacy is manifesting in war. We're seeing um, unsustainable food production is manifesting in, in different ways. There's lots of different things that we can see that covered, not just in the realms of finances. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. AI is ramping up like crazy. Um, and um, so I also think the values one was really, I thought was really interesting to me because I think, again, we talked last time about Pluto and Aquarius and, you know, um, when I think of values, I also think of what we have valued in the past. And, you know, I something that really doesn't resonate is that everything has to have a monetary value attached to it. Like I'm not, nothing is worth doing unless it has an economic value attached to it. And I think we are going to see things like that really shift and really change. You know, I think things like, you know, motherhood has, you know, is one of the most important roles in humanity. And yet in our society, it's it's not really valued, you know? And I think this, we're gonna see shifts and things like that, um, definitely. But the uh, Uranus, uh, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, in terms of economics as well, it, that ties in because, you know, we've lived in this, moving into the Aquarian age, this is shifting as well. Because we've previously, you know, it's not worth doing unless there's an economic value attached to it. And, you know, we've we've lost a lot in terms of that, um, in terms of art and in terms of um, culture. I think a lot of that is going to shift and change during the Aquarian age. So um, that's really interesting. Just doing things because you want to do something, learning about things because you want to learn about it. You know, I think that those shifts are happening as well. And um, but Uranus transit in Taurus will definitely change our perspective on money and financial stability. As we see in the last time we saw this transit, we saw huge sweeping um, shifts in the way that we view finances and financial security. So during this time, expect unpredictability, expect instability and sudden changes in the financial markets economic upheavals, and unexpected financial events. So it's in Bitcoin's 10th house, which again is governments and politics. As you said, Alex, we've just had uh, um, someone who's running for president. Um, you know, when he first announced that he was running for president, he did say about that CBDCs are, um, will enslave humanity, basically. And, um, you know, a few days later, he came out and spoke about Bitcoin, endorsed Bitcoin. So I think we're going to see a lot of shifts and things like that in the realm of politics and governments. There will be people, there will be politicians that will want to attempt to kill Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. I think we will see a lot of regulation in the remainder of the crypto market, which can be a good thing. You know, maybe over over regulation is obviously a bad thing, but we're going to see a lot of shifts and changes in in that respect, and we're going to see politicians that are in favor of Bitcoin. So, um, for Bitcoin, this transit will they'll Bitcoin will experience a change in the relationships with people in authority. So, again, as I said, we're seeing that president people who are going for presidential nomination are endorsing Bitcoin. Then we obviously have many people who are not endorsing Bitcoin. 
So yeah, so Bitcoin will take an innovative approach to bring recognition in an existing profession and an existing um, ecosystem, which is our financial system. Bitcoin has a new career path, longs for freedom, and finds it hard to take orders. So if Bitcoin was a person, that's what Bitcoin would be experiencing. And I, I think that lines up perfectly with Bitcoin. And so oh. even though talking about, you know, upheaval and uncertainty and things like that, even with this um, eclipse, the whole thing about um, the solar eclipse is that there's a moment of darkness. There's a moment of uncertainty. So um, even though there's times of uncertainty, there's also a lot of positives and a lot of positive shifts happening out of there. So, you know, I will say we'll probably talk about this on our next call, but um, Jupiter enters Taurus on the 16th of May, which is after our um, after eclipse season, 10 days after our eclipse season. And at that time, both Uranus and Jupiter um, are in Taurus. And the only notes I have next to this is bullish in capital letters, destructive, expansive energy. So there are good times ahead. There's always, um, you know, there's always uncertainty and sometimes that brings fear during times of upheaval and times of change but it's also a really great time for opportunity as well and um so yeah so i will leave it at that i think that it's interesting to sort of see these bigger generational shifts maybe next time we'll talk about chiron also um because the last time we've seen this chiron transit was 1976 you know and so you know that was there was there was actually, you know, Chiron is the, is the wounded healer. And um, that was the time when obviously there was the Cold War. I believe it was the Cold War, but there was actually um, a time when the United States and the Soviet Union signed a nuclear proliferation pact, which kind of, you know, curbs the spread of nuclear weapons. They reinforced that act. So I'm hoping that we're going to see things like that happen as well, like in the levels of diplomacy as well. So, um, yeah, so those are those are what's that's what's happening. Those are the biggest sort of energetic shifts that we're seeing and we're experiencing. Wow, wow, wow. I think you summarized so much of that so beautifully. And it, there's so much I want to dig into there. But I agree, we'll definitely do a lot more and maybe dive deeper, like in the next episode. Um, the only thing I can't not add to what you just said mm-hmm. is I really want to underline Pluto because there yeah. has been such an important shift from the 23rd of March this year. We saw it shift from Capricorn into Aquarius and Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008. And yes, that's when we did see the last you know, big, bigger financial collapse in 2008. But it's like what you said, you know, Capricorn energy in Pluto and around money has been all about like, everything needs to have a financial benefit. Everything needs to be this crazy hard work. And it's very like, old school, traditional, like, let's go and work hard. And if you're not grinding, then what are you doing? Are you being lazy, yada, yada. And I think that Mm -hmm. now with Pluto into Aquarius, it's like this perfect, like, let me shake things up. Let's start to create the death of all of these old ways of thinking 
and let's start stepping into the next, into the technology, into the higher dimensions. Um, so I'm excited yeah. for it and I'm here well, for it. You're not the only you're not the only one. Bitcoin is also loving it. Bitcoin is loving exactly. Pluto and Aquarius. Exactly. So that's you know, what I was. Carry oh. on. Sorry. You're right. I just wanted to say that, like, you know, that's literally like kind of what I wanted to say in terms of Bitcoin and what we're seeing right now, because Aqua uh, Pluto is only staying in Aquarius until the 11th of June. So we're only really having these couple months period or these few months period where then it will retrograde back into Capricorn and we're getting a preview and what are the chances that Bitcoin's like thriving and living its best life during this period of Pluto being in Aquarius. So that kind of also backs up the narrative of us thinking that yes, price is skyrocketing right now or really wanting to move up. It'll slow down, turn back, and probably have this pullback. And that's a natural pullback. It's part of the natural growth uh, and movement of Bitcoin um, until, you know, 2024 when Pluto does then go into Aquarius and will stay in Aquarius for years to come, um, where, you know, it really lines up with so many other theories as well as the Bitcoin halving. Um, where Bitcoin can then really thrive and show the world what it came here to do. Mm, yeah, I think we should also mention as well in this um, that I believe the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade is is oh, going to be completed on Thursday. So um, it will be interesting to see sort of what happens after that when Ethereum has completely transitioned to proof of stake. Um, as we've talked about, there's a lot of action in this Bitcoin's 10th house um, of government and politics and things like that. So it will be really interesting to see where, um, you know, what happens in terms of regulation. Um, will these some of these crypto projects be labeled securities, um, those sorts of things. So th those events are also all coming up um, after, well, just before actually this eclipse season as well. So um, yeah, get ready for the government to be um, looking at crypto <laughs> and to, to be involved in crypto. It's it's it makes me laugh so much though because crypto really gets so much airtime considering how much um, like how small a portion of the broader financial system it really you know is part is part of. So um, yeah, so we can expect that coming up as well. So just just keep an eye on that. Yeah. All right. I think we're ready to wrap things up for this episode. And I'm excited to um, have Alex close things up with a meditation because it's going to be perfect right before I go to sleep. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Hmm. And this is a practice that anyone who's listening can do anytime, especially if you are feeling fearful or unsure, unsure of what's going on. This will be a, med a brief meditation for embodiment and getting out of your mind and into your body. 
and using the breath as the bridge. So let's start with a, a hand gesture, a mudra. I'm going to use the same one I used last night. So bring the palms face up on your lap and take the thumbs into the palms and the fingers over the thumbs and then go ahead and place your hands fingers face down on the lap holding this fist like gesture uh, adi mudra this is a mudra that brings in the earth element so grounding stabilization um trusting that if you fall you will be you will be supported you will be caught you will be held i like that word better than caught so here you might notice the subtle pulse of life force moving through your hands you might feel like a ah, feeling come across the body and with that being said let the eyes close and let the jaw soften Maybe roll the shoulders up towards the ears and down the back. And turn the focus inward to the breath. And allow yourself to inhale through your nose and exhale through your nose instead of the mouth for this meditation. Think of your breath as in three parts. Part one is your belly, part two is your ribs, and part three is your chest or your heart space, same thing. So as you inhale, let the breath rise up the body from belly into ribs, into chest. And slow exhales out through your nose. And continue to take deep breath slowing the pace down. So when we slow the pace down, it soothes the nervous system, soothes the mind. So we are simply just practicing embodiment, being within ourselves, breathing from belly to ribs to chest. Slow exhales out through the nose, letting the jaw stay soft, letting the face be soft, letting the throat and the collarbones and the shoulders and chest be soft. And feel breath rise up and fall down just like the waves rise up on shore and go back to sea and I'll let, let everyone have some quiet moments here simply breathing embodying the self and then I'll bring us back
Notice when your next exhale emerges and completes. And slowly soften the gesture of the hands. Maybe flip the palms up to rest on the lap. Feeling the energy of the hands. Maybe heat. And slowly blinking open the eyes. Hmm. Hello. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. You're so welcome. Amazing. With that, I think that's the end of episode two. Thank you, ladies, for your energy. Grateful for you both. Appreciate you. Mm, Appreciate you. Appreciate both of you. Hey, ladies. We'll be back here in two weeks to um, to look at the lunar eclipse and full moon. And um, I look forward to it. See you soon. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bitcoin Zodiac podcast. We hope that our discussions about cryptocurrency, trading, the phases of the moon, and spirituality have inspired you to explore these topics further. As always, DYOR, do your own research. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will continue to dive deeper and build off of these perception-expanding topics. Remember, whatever your beliefs may be, we all have something to learn from each other. So stay curious, stay open-minded, and keep exploring the world of Bitcoin and astrology. Until next time, these are your hosts signing off. May the stars align in your favor and your Bitcoin investments prosper. Peace and love and Bitcoin. Namaste.